Fed Talks is a podcast for theater teachers and theater education students. I am Dr. Jimmy Christman, theater education professor at Illinois State University. Each week, I want to bring you stories and interviews from experienced K-12 theater teachers, current theater education majors, and professors of theater education that will warm your heart, renew your faith in teaching, and provide resources to better your practice in your theater classroom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Fed Talks. This is Season 2, Episode 20 of the podcast. I have a really great interview for you this week. This week, I talked with Bradley W. Skinner. He is a Wyoming theater teacher, uh, multiple Teacher of the Year winner at the district level and even nationally. Um, and in our conversation, we talk about his experience as an administrator and uh, what our responsibility is to our students when it comes to trauma, as well as his colorful journey to being a theater teacher, speaker, and author. So I do hope you enjoy my exciting and touching interview with Bradley W. Skinner. Well, I'm excited to have on Fed Talks today, Bradley Skinner. Um, Bradley has a big old resume that he can fill in for you in just a minute, but I'll just give you the cliff notes. He is a language arts and theater teacher at Green River High School in Green River, Wyoming. He's been teaching for 18 years. Um, he's a former assistant principal, a playwright, um, several big teachers of the year awards and uh, an educational speaker. And if I remember correctly, I've seen on Facebook an author. Is that correct? Yes. I actually got uh, uh, some, some books in the pipeline that I'm working on, mainly dealing with uh, culture and climate of schools, as well as uh, building relationships with students. Awesome. Well, Bradley, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, kind of your journey to where we are now. Great. Uh, so yes, uh, Bradley W. Skinner, and I've been a theater teacher now. This is my, uh, in my 19th year as an educator and also spent some time teaching just language arts uh, as well as uh, took a year stint as an assistant principal. And that was, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. But uh, when the opportunity came uh, for, uh, to be in the same school as my kids and to be teaching theater, uh, I couldn't pass it up and decided to jump back in and uh, get directing some shows again. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, that's, that's, that's what it is. It's what I love. It's so many things I love about theater, but the biggest part is it's making those connections with kids and helping them tell their story. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about uh, your program at Green River and uh, just kind of about the size and the productions that you do and a little bit about the classes that you teach. All right. Uh, as far as the school goes, we're uh, for, for Wyoming, we're still considered uh, one of the larger schools, even though we only have 750 students. So not a, not a big school. We're towards the small end of uh, our 4A classification. So we're probably the second smallest school in that large school division. Uh, I have, uh, I teach uh, uh, two beginning theater classes, a advanced theater class where we do a lot of our producing of our shows out of that class. Um, we also then, I teach uh, a journalism course and that's a lot, that one's a lot of fun because it's actually a co-taught class. So we have uh, half of the class works on um, print media. The other half works on digital media. So I work with the students where we're doing work with podcasting, um, video production, news anchoring, um, those kind of things. And uh, the other side works with magazine and newspaper editing and printing. Uh, and then I also have uh, two American literature classes. And so we get to tie a lot with our American literature into the theater courses. We always try to pick one show a year where we actually are producing a play that directly connects to the curriculum here in the school, either at the language arts level, uh, with the history classes. Uh, so we've done uh, The Crucible, 
uh, we we're doing this year. Uh, we actually start rehearsals next or actually on Thursday this week, we start rehearsals for the great Gatsby. And so we try, we actually, our big thing has been, uh, really pushing the number of shows that we try to do, uh, contract wise, most teachers in Wyoming, it's pretty common. Uh, we do two shows a year, uh, one straight play, one musical. And for me, that just wasn't going to be enough to really help the students that I teach develop those skills that they need. So we actually push that to seven shows. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's taxing, but it, it lets the kids develop the skills they need to be successful. And, you know, it's just like, you can't imagine a football team doing well if they only play two games a year. Volleyball is not going to be successful if they only play two games a year. It's that repetition, getting more and more out of them. So we, we do quite a bit. We do two uh, one-act plays. We do a musical. We do a straight play. We do a dinner theater. We do a holiday theme show. Uh, and then we do a community show, which is, that one's a lot of fun. As we start our community mm -hmm. theater, we actually flip um, the script on that one. Uh, meaning that what we do is we bring in community members to be the performers on stage and then the students do everything else that the adults normally do. So we have students directing, we have students choreographing, students are doing light design, set design, stage management, uh, run crew. So the students do all the marketing, advertising, all the things that normally it's the adults and the directors that are doing. Instead, we give the directors and uh, some of the adults the opportunity to get back on stage. So it's, it's a lot of fun. We did Forever Plaid just this last summer, and it was just a blast. <laughs> well, tell me a little bit more about how, how that project got going. Uh, that one actually came about from community members. They uh, they came to me and said, hey, have you ever thought of doing a community theater? And I said, no, <laughs> because I'm already so busy. Um, but then we saw what a great opportunity that that could be for our kids to learn the other side of it that they could say, hey, I'm stepping off of the stage and I'm going to do the work now uh, behind the scenes and do more of that to help. And, and then we had community members. They're just like, I've really wanted to get back on stage. It's something I wanted to do for a while. And that really let us uh, approach the community and ask them, how many of you have had that mentality? You, say, you know, I, I want to get back on stage. I just don't know how to go about it or I, I don't know what show it is. So we've been asking them, what is that show that would get you back on stage? What is that show that you were like, oh man, I've always wanted to be in that. Or what's that show that you've wanted to direct or choreograph? And once we get that information, we're like, great, let's do it. And you can come and help. So we've got community members that have come out to be our, you know, to be our directors and to be our, uh, uh, to be performers in shows that they're like, you know, this is just something I really want to do. And, and it's been fun. It's been able to get some new connections, get some new supporters of theater and it brings out a new group to come out to our shows, which then builds and fuels those to come see more student produ productions throughout the year. How exciting and how awesome for your kids, that opportunity to, to, to do those things and to step in those shoes that they don't normally get to step into. Now oh, it's been fun. They love it. Um, what, uh, have you had any of them come back uh, and say, oh, I didn't realize how much you did? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All of them. Uh, and, and that's, that's a good thing. Uh, mainly because the more that they learn, obviously it's more productive for them. It's going to help them at the next level. Those that are going on to college, they've got that experience now, but also a lot of them find that a passion project, like, you know what, that was really cool. I really like that. Can I take that off of your plate this next school year? And can I head up advertising? Can I take care of marketing? Can I take care of social media? So the students have started taking some of those responsibilities 
off of my plate, which has actually freed up more time for me to then help other kids with other projects. That's awesome. That is awesome. Um, I, I used to, I would build into my season every year with my kids, a, a, a fully student produced show, uh, where mm-hmm. I would, um, I would literally just be in my classroom while they had rehearsals. And I mean, I would pop in to observe and assist when asked, but like it was in their hands. I mean, everything from picking the show to applying for the rights to building the set and producing it and everything. So I, I always loved that because they would always come back and I didn't realize how much you did. I learned so much in this process. So <laughs> I just think it's a, any chance you have to, to put that in the kids' hands is an amazing learning opportunity for them. Absolutely. And it's one of the few times that we as directors actually get a surprise. I mean, we, we see our shows and so much of it is, at least for me, is like stress fueled because you're like, there's nothing I can do to help them at this point. Mm-hmm. If they mess up, it's on them. I can't do anything. And that stress and that anxiety is there. But when it's a student, you know, totally run production, we actually get to sit and watch and just enjoy it because uh, we did that with our Christmas show this year. And I went in and watched it and I hadn't seen it. I, I knew what was going on. I knew a little bit about it, but it was such a pleasant surprise to just sit and watch and enjoy what they were doing and see what they created and to be able to, to genuinely laugh and to, to have those emotions and those reactions because it was truly the first time that I had seen it. And it was, it was wonderful. It was such, that was a great Christmas gift for myself. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. Well, I want to talk a little bit about your, um, your seven shows. That's a okay. lot. Um, I, <laughs> I, I did six to eight shows as well. Um, and it was very much for the same reasons. I, I, I want them to have every opportunity in the world to be prepared and, and to stamina and learning from as many opportunities as they can. Um, how do you have a life outside of that? What do you do for yourself? How do you take care of yourself during all that? Uh, really, the the one way, uh, first and foremost, when when I look at how am I able to do what I do, uh, the, the, the simplest answer is I have the most incredible and supportive and loving wife. Melissa is uh, she's she's a godsend. She is she's my my partner in crime. She's uh, my cohort. She's everything, and when I get my head up in the clouds, she's the one that keeps my feet on the ground. And she sees these visions and she sees these dreams that I have. And as grand and grandiose as they might be and as crazy as they might seem, I personally don't always have the capacity to take this dream and make it into a reality. And that's where she comes in. She has that skill to see that vision and to really help me make it into a reality. But at the same time, to also pump those brakes sometimes when I need it, when things are a little bit too big uh, for my own shoes. Um, And so that's why I'm able to do what I do. Also, for me, spending time with family is so valuable. And having my kids in my theater program has been absolutely amazing. Um, We did uh, School of Rock we were actually the first theater in all of Wyoming to do School of Rock two years ago. And I had all three of my daughters were in that production doing different uh, roles throughout it. So that was, that was awesome. Um, we were, uh, well, so I guess to really answering that question is, uh, that's really it, is uh, I, I, I love spending time with my family. So regardless of where that time is, it's what we're doing with that time that makes it valuable. And so, it, whether it's working on a show, whether it's 
you know, our, our summers are, are huge for us. Summers are where we really spend time together as a family. Uh, we, we travel, we try to take in as much as we can. Wyoming is absolutely beautiful. So even just going out to the lake, going fishing, uh, going for just a walk, any of those things that we can do uh, really helps keep me grounded and uh, lets me recenter and refocus. But regardless, it always comes back to whatever I'm doing, as long as I'm doing it for kids and doing it for the right reasons to help them be better versions of themselves, then I'm fine to, to just jump in and go at it. That's awesome. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your, um, your, your, your teacher and director of the year awards that you've received in the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. um, it was the 2018 Wyoming theater director of the year. Uh, you're the current, is it, is it still current district teacher of the year mm-hmm. yep. and the Jostens national teacher of the year. Yeah, uh, definitely uh, a, a lot of surprises. Um, and, and, and those war- those awards are great. I, I love them individually. I mean, of course, it means a lot. I love it. But the biggest part is it's they're recognizing the work and the quality of work that our students are doing. That's what means the most to me. Um, and I think really the biggest part, I think that hits me the most, is that I'm not really doing anything different than what I used to do. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's where a big change in my life as an educator has come from is I actually, I left education for a while. I stopped teaching because uh, call it what you may, uh, you know, some may say, well, you just got burned out. I, I don't think that's really true because I loved what I was doing. I never stopped loving it. I just got to a point where I think I was more disheartened, demoralized is probably a better word mm. from all the, the criticism, the, the, uh, the constant questioning, the micromanaging, there was just so much toxicity in what I was dealing with that I began to question myself and I began to question, am I really, am I really cut out to be a teacher? And so I left and, uh, it took me a while to find my way back. But when I did, I was surrounded by people who were determined to see me succeed rather than being surrounded by people who were hoping to see me fail. And that was the biggest difference. I didn't really change. I didn't change what I was doing. I didn't change how I was approaching education. I didn't change my love and passion for helping kids, but the people around me changed. And that was the difference. I had a supportive administration. I had amazing educators that also wanted the best for students everywhere, regardless of the curriculum. Uh, I had uh, supportive parents who loved the programs and wanted to, to help and to see their kids do more. And so changing that environment, changing that culture and climate changed, I think, the visual, the landscape of what it was we were doing. We were able to do more, to help more kids because of that support system. And so just by doing that, then those recognitions started coming in. Um, the 2018 Wyoming Theater Director of the Year was huge because that's recognized by my peers. That's an award that's voted on by all the theater directors in the state. And to have them recognize that work was, that, that meant a lot because these are, these are my peers. These are people I look up to. These are individuals who I love going to their shows and seeing the incredible work that they do. And so then have them reciprocate and, and recognize that work as well was, was tremendous. Um, to be recognized by my own school district. And then, of course, by uh, the Jossens Company, who most everyone knows is, you know, caps and gowns and class rings. But they focus so much on what's going on in schools. 
and to have them recognize me as their national educator of the year for the, the work that I do in promoting culture and climate with our own students was, was just amazing. It was definitely a, a moment of, uh, of reflection of a, a lot of, a lot of tears. Um, and it was beautiful to be able to have, you know, of course, my, my wife and my kids with me to, to receive that award was, was pretty awesome. What opportunities has that provided for you? Uh, one, it's given me just a chance to, to talk a little bit more. Um, I, I love sharing my message, sharing my story. Um, but a lot of it has been just invalidating the work that we're doing to have more students say, hey, uh, maybe I want to try theater. I, I think every kid should at least be in one theatrical production in their high school career just to see what it's like, just to see what it can do, how it can change your life, how it can change who you are as a person. I think every kid should do it because it is, it is life-changing and, and some find that, you know, it's something that they, they really like that they never knew they could do and that they're good at it. (laughs) And, and so that's been great. It's given me a chance to get into more schools, uh, to talk with more kids and to help more teachers uh, become better versions of themselves so they can help their students be better versions of themselves. Well, I know you are available for speaking engagements and um, people can can book you to come out and do that. So without going into um, your entire uh, spiel that people would pay to have you come out and do, can you give us a little 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 idea of what you speak about and a little bit more about the your work with school culture and climate? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so first off, you know, I'll, uh, anybody that is interested, you can find me on all social media platforms at Bradley W. Skinner, and that's Bradley with two E's, no Y. <laughs> um, my dad's name's Lee, so uh, they kind of kept that in the family uh, name a little bit there. And I have a daughter, Emily, and we spell her name with two E's as oh, well. I love so, that. Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, to absolutely check me out. Also, um, BradleyWSkinner.com. You can uh, find my webpage there. And a big part of, uh, of what, I, what I enjoy talking about and sharing that story is when I talk about that I, that I left education for a while, that, uh, that, was, that was a tough time. That was a, a dark time uh, for me. I, not only did I lose my way, uh, I lost a lot of my self-identity. I had been a theater teacher for so long that when I stopped teaching, I didn't know who I was anymore. And, and that was tough. And I had to you know, to find myself. And, and so when I look back on, on 2013, where, you know, I look at the music that kids were listening to, what movies that people were going out to. Um, and those were fun times, I think, for people. Uh, for me, it was a tough time because I didn't know what my future held. I didn't know what was going to happen for my family. It was a tough time because we lost our home. I, I had no job. I had three little girls at home, a loving wife, and we were homeless and out on the streets. And, and that's tough. It's a, uh, it's one of those things where I realized that, that you can't always teach through trauma. And I have students today that deal with depression and anxiety and the slightest thing can trigger something in their lives that brings back that trauma that we as educators usually don't understand. Like you might be directing a play and you have a kid in a show and they set their shoes on a bed and this kid freaks out because their shoes on a bed. And you're like, what? 
what's the big deal? It's just shoes on a bed. And that trauma is brought back to a time where they put, as kids, they put shoes on the bed and they got yelled at and they got in trouble and they got hit and their parents split up and they got a divorce. And the kid reflects back on putting shoes on a bed is the thing that started that whole spiral for them. Do we know that as a teacher? Of course not. We have no clue what's going on. But there are things that are so damaging in some of our kids' lives that we have no clue about. And I have a, a better understanding about some of that, having been through such a dark time in my own life, in my own experience. But most important is, as I've said before, if you're surrounded with good people and you have people that love and care for you, you can get through dark times. You can do hard things. And it took everything in that I had to fight and to, to, to scrap my way back to get to a point where I was happy with myself, where I believed in myself, where I believed that what I was doing was a value, where I stopped doubting myself constantly. And, and it took a long time. And so to have the recognitions, to have those awards are great in a way that it does validate but most importantly is it's that self-validation that meant so much more to me was to be able to say no, regardless of what other people have said, regardless of the critiques, the criticism, the, the, the detrimental words, the harsh phrases and things that were said about me. I don't care about those. I know the value that I have. And when I see my kids walk across that stage and they pick up that diploma at graduation and they come back and they thank me, I know that it was worth it. And I know that it has value. And those are some of those messages that I share. Yeah, that's fantastic. I One of my areas of, of research right now that I'm, I'm working on um, with my husband, who is a, a, a mental health professional and um, specifically working with young people um, and that we're working on together is is that, that, that idea of trauma in our students and, and and I would love to ask you, you kind of open the door. I'm going to, I'm going to go with it right now is what is our responsibility as theater educators? Um, and how much of that do you think we need to um, keep in our, in our lens and, and our way of looking at our students as we're working with them through with theatrical material? What's our responsibility with that? I think some educators, they view that as because it's such a, a difficult area and because it's so sensitive that it's something you have to tiptoe around. I, I, I don't, I don't agree. I think if we do the front work, if we create a safe space, if we create an environment of love and care where anybody can share anything, regardless of what emotional baggage you bring into that space, it's okay. If we do that and we front load that first and we build those relationships and we let kids know that any story that they're bringing to tell is a value and we, we, we base everything we're doing there first, then regardless of what else happens, you're going to be okay. We don't have to tiptoe around the issues. We welcome the issues. We don't have to try to lighten the baggage. We welcome the baggage. If you've got emotional problems, great. Here's this great safe place where you can share it, you can experience it, and you can do it knowing that it's going to be welcomed. It's going to be received with love, with care, with compassion, and most importantly, with empathy. And I think the more that we focus on that empathy, then it's okay. You can tell your story. You can bring that in. We're going to welcome it. We're going to be here with open arms and we're going to help you through it. I think theater is some of the most uh, overlooked 
but yet most valuable elements in high schools today because of that fact that it's a safe space where kids can be who they are. And theater teachers around the country, I believe, just are, they have a, a skill at that of just being empathetic, of being welcoming and allowing kids to be who they are. And that's what kids, I think a lot of kids need today is they need to know it's just okay to be you and to be, be you truthfully, wholeheartedly, honestly, and we're going to love you for it. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to chat more about that with you at some point off, off mic, <laughs> um, as, as I keep going into that. So I'll, I'm going to put a pin in that. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about okay. your, your time as an assistant principal yeah. and how that impacted your work in the classroom. Absolutely. It's a, it's a great one. And I think one of the reasons, uh, because obviously it goes back to when I, when I left education, uh, I, I felt that there had to be a better way. I felt that I could do a better job of reaching kids and helping kids. So uh, I did end up going back to school and getting my administrative certificate. And, uh, and that helped me a lot. I think the more I learned about administration, I became a better teacher. Um, one of the, the difficult things for me, uh, because I was over discipline, behavior, uh, attendance, you know, so I was the, I was that assistant principal and, and, and I loved it because I had such a different approach in, in 19 years of, of being in education, I've never once kicked a kid out of class. I've never sent anybody to the office. I've never filled out a discipline referral. And the main reason is because I've never had to. If, if kicking a kid out of class is your classroom management plan and how you deal with a, a troubled student, you don't have a classroom management plan. You have a classroom management problem and it needs to be fixed. Kicking kids out of class does me no good because then they can't learn if they're not in my class. I want kids to be there. I want to keep them there. So I build those relationships with them so they have no reason to want to leave my class. <laughs> I don't have behavior issues because I think that relationship and that respect is there. So kids don't act out in a way that's detrimental to their own learning. So in my first day as an, as an administrator, I had 15 discipline referrals across my desk. <laughs> and it's like, it's the first day of school. What are you possibly doing that is sending kids to the office on the first day? And some of them were just ridiculous. It was like, well, he didn't have a pencil. Well, so give him a pencil. That's an easy fix. You don't have a pencil here. Here's a pencil. Give it back when class is over. Teaching kids responsibility is far more effective than kicking kids out of class. And, and so that would definitely open my eyes quite a bit to how important building relationships is versus disciplining kids. I would much rather be proactive than retroactive. And, and, I, and so that, that's really helped me as a teacher and seeing um, before those behaviors become issues, what am I doing to help prevent them? What am I doing to build those relationships with kids so I don't have behavioral issues? How clear are my expectations so kids don't break those expectations because they didn't know about them? And so that's really helped in, in, in understanding students, behaviors, teachers, helping other educators build better classroom management skills so they avoid some of those problems. From your experience uh, as an administrator and as a teacher, what, um, for those teachers who have um, less than supportive administrators, um, who have 
tense relationships with their administrators. What are some things that they can do to bridge that gap and, and form those relationships with those administrators to get that support? Uh, let's, let's take that's, that's two really difficult and challenging issues. Uh, so let, let me start with uh, the administrative side first. Um, so from administrators in helping them deal and bridge those gaps with teachers, uh, I think administrators, they first need to remember why they're there in the first place. Um, and I think too often as an administrator, we say we're, we, we say we're doing what's best for kids, but what we really mean is we're doing what's convenient for us. And that's wrong. I think too often that convenience issue comes into play, whether it's convenient because we don't have to deal with parents or it's convenient because we don't have to deal with the school board or it's convenient because we don't have to go through the red tape. But we try to say we're doing it for kids and, and it's not. If you're really doing what's best for kids, you do what's best for kids regardless of the red tape, regardless of uh, the policies or the procedures, you do it because it's right. And um, so I think sometimes they lose sight of that and then they just use that catchphrase, oh, we're doing what's best for kids. So first and foremost, that's got to be uh, understand, un understood. And I think one of those issues is we say, um, put kids first. And I think that's what teachers should do. I really believe administrators need to put teachers first, which in turn puts students first. But if you're skipping that process, if administrators are saying we're putting students first, well, then you, now you're, you're missing the point of hiring effective teachers. They're the professionals. They're the ones that are in the classrooms teaching the kids and making a difference. Your teachers have to be first, just as teachers have to put their students first. And, and, and it needs, and, and some may think that it's, it's the same thing or it's just semantics, but it's not, it's, it's not at all. Uh, and I think as we look at that, we understand it, that the more that administrators support care and nurture their teachers, then the more care, support and nurture the teachers are able to give to their students. And it has to work that way. Um, and then when it comes to then how can teachers help bridge that gap then with their administrators is talk to them. <laughs> I think so often administrators, uh, and again, this is what it was for me, my entire previous, all my learning up until where I left, the, uh, left education, when I left teaching, I did not know that it, it was possible and even okay to be friends with and like your principal because I didn't have that experience. I didn't know that that was something that you could do. It was always hands-off. It was administrator, teacher, and it was a distance. And there was an intentional gap because they created that gap. And that's how then the culture and climate existed is that gap was there for a reason. And then all of a sudden when I came back to teaching and I got hired by a new, incredible, amazing principal who is still one of my mentors today, we still talk constantly. I share ideas. I get ideas. And, and he's one of my best friends. I didn't know that was possible to not only like your principal, but to become great friends with them, to, to, to love them, to respect them. And, and it was that open communication. It, uh, he did some amazing things. And I talked about his name's Darren Peppard, Dr. Peppard. And, and he is just, he, he's, he's one of my inspirations because of his communication. He talks to you. He doesn't speak at you. He would talk to me. Uh, he would come in and he did something just so unique when it came to observations that I recommend that other administrators do. A lot of times we have walkthroughs just or, or a drop-in visit, whatever you may call it, where it's an informal observation. 
And rather than coming in and focusing on what I was doing as a teacher, he would learn with the kids. Is there a worksheet? Great. He'd do the worksheet. Is there an activity? He'd participate in the activity. So that way, then when we talked later, his communication to me was about his learning in the classroom, not about my teaching. So it was about what the students were doing, not what I was doing. Sure, what I was doing was important. He was more concerned on what the kids were doing. Were the kids learning? And could he verify that by learning himself? So he would participate and do all the work right there with the kids. That was huge for me. I had never seen that before. Every other observation was always about the teacher, not about the kids. And so he totally changed that mindset for me. Um, and that, and that was awesome. So I think just talk to talk to your administrators, talk to them, let them know what it is that you need. Be open, be honest, be candid and, and start to, to, to bridge that gap through that communication. And, and remember that administrators are just people too. Uh, and just like, Teachers, they care about kids. They sometimes have to have a different process to show that, but it's still there. And we got to keep that in mind. Uh, From my work in my dissertation, I I interviewed teachers and principals uh, about effective theater teachers and what that looks like and what principals think versus what teachers think. (laughs) And uh, one of the, one of my favorite interviews uh, with a principal was when he said, we are busy people. We are busy. We, we have a lot going on, just as you have a lot going on in your classroom. And I think teachers sometimes don't realize that. They think that administrators are just in their office hanging out and, you know, there's not as much work to do, but they are busy people. And then what he followed it up with was, if there's something really unique and fun and great going on in your classroom, or you just want me to come in and see what you're doing, ask me. Just stop me and ask me, hey, mm-hmm. can you come in second period tomorrow? I think you're really going to enjoy what you're going to see. They will, nine times out of ten, make space in their calendar to come do that. Yep, um, absolutely true. And so I just, I, th- I thought that was really great. It's not that they don't want to be there, but sometimes they are tunnel vision with their job, and sometimes they do need you to say, hey, come see what I'm doing. It's really great. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and I think that was, one, that, that was one of the biggest eye-opening moments for me as an administrator was being in a classroom, being a teacher. I only knew really what was going on in my classroom and sometimes maybe my neighboring classes or sometimes even in the department. Mm-hmm. I had no clue just how incredible some of the learning that was going on throughout the building. So having those teachers invite me as an administrator to come in and see their work, that was some of my favorite times. I would go and sit in an art class and watch kids do pottery. And then I would try to do pottery and it ended up terrible. But seeing these, the work that these kids did was absolutely amazing to go into a, a physics class. Those are always my favorite because some of the, 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 the activities that they do in a physics class is amazing. And it was just incredible to watch the learning that was taking place, to see the work the kids were doing, to see them put those pieces together of learning and that step-by-step process, then all of a sudden just that light bulb would come on. It was amazing. And to have other teachers say, rather than hiding it, they weren't hiding it behind closed doors. They weren't, they were saying, look at the learning that's going on in our school, come and enjoy it, see it. And I absolutely loved it. And so now a lot of times on, even now on, on my prep hour, I'll still go to other classes just to kind of get that, that feel again of just seeing what else is going on in the school because 
I mean, my, my fellow educators are absolutely amazing at what they do. And I love to see and, and to, to, to revel in that learning because it is really impressive. Well, I think sometimes we, we forget that what we're doing is unique and great because um, it's just what we do. Right. And, um, and I think sometimes teachers need to, need to be reminded and theater teachers too, specifically as we're talking right now, that what you're doing is great. What you're doing is unique. What you're doing is innovative. <laughs> Bring people in to, to see what you're doing. Um, I think it's just going to, it'll continue to garner support and respect from the administration and those who you bring in to see it. Indeed. Absolutely. It will. Um, so tell me a couple of your favorite stories from your career so far, um, working with kids, <laughs> funny stories, horror stories, touching moments. Oh boy. Um, there's, oh, there's, oh, there's so many, um, right now, probably one of my, one of my favorite things that we're doing because we do so many shows, we're able to explore, more stories and look at some different things and really just a, a wonderful thing that, that happened recently just this year uh, we, or we started it uh, last couple of years actually is um, rather than doing a story about uh, students with um, learning disabilities physical disabilities and then having an actor learn to portray those we've reached out to students in our school that live with those uh, with those disabilities because who better to know the part than a student that actually has it, knows what it's like. Um, we picked a show for our state theater uh, competition or our state thespian festival just uh, earlier this month. And uh, for that one act play that we did uh, centered around a character with cerebral palsy. So we have a student in our school with cerebral palsy and we cast him in the lead. And and it was, it was one of those things where we're like, all right, this is either it's going to work or it's going to fail. But that really wasn't our important part. What really made the difference for us is we're giving a student an opportunity to get up on stage and to tell his story in a way that we probably wouldn't ever have. And, and if that's effective and valuable for him, then it's worth it, regardless of how well the show does. That wasn't even important for us. Um, but we went and we went to the competition, performed, and uh, all three of our, uh, our state judges uh, gave this young man uh, all state recognitions That's for his portrayal. And, and, and it was awesome. And he did a great job. He was absolutely amazing. And I think uh, what was really tough and, and, and really eye-opening for the other members of the cast is uh, as we talked to them later, is they expressed how difficult it was for them as performers at first, because this is a kid in their school who they know, and some of them had to be kind of mean to him in the show. There was a lot of bullying and, and, uh, and they're like, if it would have been an actor portraying this character, it would have been different for us because we could keep in the back of our mind that we're just acting, that we're just saying these words and they're not really going to hurt him but having a student with cerebral palsy and then they're bullying and harassing this kid for his, uh, his life situation, our performers, they're like, that was tough. That was really hard because he's, he's our friend. We don't want to say mean things to him. We don't want to bully him. And they said, but at the same time, it made us realize that this is probably stuff he's dealt with before in his life. And we didn't really think of it that way. Um, 
and it really opened their eyes to the way that other students in the school are treated and even the way that they may have mistreated students in the past. And it really changed their outlook on, on how they, they treat others with dignity and respect. And it opened up their, their eyes to quite a bit of, of, of who they are as individuals. And so that was, that was a great learning moment uh, for them. Um, and, it was, and it was fun. So I think that's, that's been something that we've, we've been looking at is just how, what are those opportunities that we're giving students who typically aren't in theater or aren't in those lead roles? Um, can we do a better job as theater directors of, of picking shows that might reach a different demographic than what we typically are used to? We don't always have to have Romeo and Juliet as the, you know, homecoming king and queen. Why can't we do stories that highlight different kids with different life stories and, and give them opportunities to show their talent and who they are? And so that's been really good for us. And I think it's re it really opened up a lot of, a lot of our students' eyes to a bigger picture. My final two questions. Uh, what is a resource that you are currently using or have used that we absolutely must know about? Oh, uh, actually got, ooh, I'm going to grab this one right here. This is going to be my little, little shout out. Uh, Hamish Brewer, his book Relentless is an awesome, awesome read. I absolutely love it. I got a chance to, to visit, spend some time with, uh, with Hamish this last summer in Orlando, Florida. And it's a great book. And this guy is just a, a totally different approach when it comes to administration. Uh, this guy wears baseball hats. He skateboards down the hallways. He's graffitied <laughs> the walls of his office. He's just, he's awesome. He takes a totally different approach than what we think uh, an administrator should be and how education should work within his classes in, in his schools. And I, I absolutely love it. And it's just, it's about building relationships that that relentless passion and pursuit for excellence doesn't mean it has to be stuffy and boring. It can be fun, exciting, energetic. So I think it's a great one. It talks really about disrupting some of those norms that we've accepted for so long in education. And he's like, why, why does it have to be this way? Just because someone 50 years ago said so. So he does a lot of stuff of just turning education up on its head. It's awesome. So that's a, that's a great one. I recommend it. Uh, and then my final question, or what are your parting words of wisdom for new teachers or those veteran teachers who need an encouraging word right now? Uh, right now, I would, I'm going to say uh, there's some great lessons that can be learned from Legos. That's, that's, that's going to be my thing right now. So, uh, so what I mean by that, first off, is that Lego, uh, for me, uh, it stands for learning empathy and give to others. And Legos are awesome because you I always saw there's like three different types of people when it comes to Legos. You get those that read the instructions and they put the whole thing together exactly by the book. You have others that throw the book away and they just start building and they're creative and they just come up with something. And of course you have those that's where it's kind of a combination of both. They see what it should be then they add their own little flair to it. And that's great. Legos are all different shapes, different sizes, different colors. But when they come together, you can truly make something beautiful. And also remember that it hurts when you step on them. So don't step on them. Don't put people down. Use them to build and to create. Don't, don't leave them on the floor. Don't step on them. Build people up. Legos. There you go. Oh, my goodness. Bradley, thank you so much for talking with me today. I appreciate it. Um, my pleasure. I, I... 
I appreciate your story and I wish you all the best uh, with the rest of your year and uh, with your, your kids are really, kids are very, very blessed and I, I, I hope they don't take you for granted. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's been an honor. Well, thank you. Well, thank you, Bradley Skinner, for joining me on Fed Talks. I appreciate everything you had to share, and uh, I wish you all the best with everything you've got going on with the books, the the speaking engagements, and, uh, of course, the amazing work you're doing with your students. If you, listeners, want to check out Bradley's website, it's bradleywskinner.com. You can check that out. Um, He's got all kinds of video clips up there and uh, uh, ways that you can uh, find out how you can book him if you'd like him to come to speak at your theater event or your your education event also because he kind of is covering all sorts of areas with, with with what he's working on. So Bradley, thank you for joining me and thank you listeners for tuning in once again. I appreciate you listening each week. Please visit our website, www.fedtalks.com where you can find all the past archives of all of our episodes with each teacher's page with their resources that they've mentioned on the show, along with the transcripts of each of their episodes. Uh, please go on your favorite podcast provider, Apple Podcasts on iTunes, Google Podcasts on Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, AnyPod, and TuneIn. Go on your favorite provider and subscribe to the show. Rate us, leave us those stars. Review us, tell us what you're liking, and uh, and uh, most importantly, sharing the podcast with those theater educators and future theater educators in your life. You can always reach me via email at fedtalkspodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on all your favorite social media, on Twitter at Theater Ed Talks, Tumblr, fedtalks.tumblr.com. On Facebook, there's a Fed Talks page, Instagram at Fed Talks Podcast, and once again, the website www.fedtalks.com. Thank you, Joel Hamlin and Joshua Schusterman, for the use of your original music, Magnetize and Flip the Record. Thank you, teachers, for what you continue to do. Stay strong, keep doing great, innovative things with your kids, and take care of yourselves. 